The first reading is from Paul's letter to Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He was very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Large crowds were travelling with Jesus, and turning them to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever who does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? 
If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. This is the gospel of the Lord. Relationships are exciting. And in fact, relationships are really the most important thing in life, aren't they? Husband, wife, parent, child, wider family members, work colleagues, friends, neighbours. Relationships are really important and they're really exciting. When our daughter Kylie took off to South Africa about ten months ago, I, I kind of joked really. I said, do you know, she'll probably come back with an Afrikaans farmer. And... I don't know whether she will or not, but two or three weeks ago, she phoned us up and told us that she'd fallen head over heels in love with a lovely young man from her church where she goes to in South Africa, and he happens to be an Afrikaans farmer. (laughs) So who knows? We'll see. And uh, the uh, the one thing it might mean is that we'll be making the 12-hour flight to Johannesburg a bit more often over the coming years, possibly. Um, It certainly means that the phone bills have gone up. Um, but uh, there we are. It's, relationships are exciting. Mothers like to talk to daughters. And <laughs> I'll probably pay for that later. But, <laughs> but there's a problem, isn't there? And that is that, that relationships are also the most difficult thing in life as well. That many relationships break down. More than a third of marriages end in divorce. For couples who are cohabiting, it's, even, it's, more, than, it's more than 50%. And, and relationships break down in all kinds of scenarios, parent, child, um, work colleagues, and so on. And the question is, why don't we just make up and get on with it? And the reason is, in a nutshell, is that actually the work of mending a broken relationship is far harder than simply pushing someone away and not having anything to do with them. The good news is that in our Bible reading from Paul's letter to Philemon, he gives us a masterclass in restoring relationships. So let's have a look at it and see what we might draw from it. Um, In the church Bibles, it's on page um, 1,200, it's page 1,200. Um, or you can follow in your, in your service sheets. But the first thing about restoring a relationship is that we have to make a decision that, that that's what we want to do. That we've decided we're going to do something to make it better. Whether or not we are the injured party, whether or not we are the cause of the, of the rupture, or whether or not we're a third party, as Paul is in this case, trying to mend the relationship of two other people. Because... Philemon has fallen out with a man called Onesimus. And Paul has decided that now is the time to restore their relationship. He makes a decision to do that. The background, very quickly, is that Philemon lives in a town called Colossae. And Colossae is about 100 miles inland in what we now call Turkey, away from Ephesus on the coast, where Paul the Apostle is in prison. And Philemon leads a church in Colossae, in, which is based in his house, because in those days all churches met in people's houses. They didn't have church buildings. 
And Philemon has a, probably a, a fair-sized household, and like many houses in those days, it would have had servants, it would have had slaves. And that was a normal part of life. Um, they would, it was like owning a car or a dishwasher. That sounds very, uh, uh, sort of, it sounds strange in our culture, but in that culture, it would have been extraordinary for a house not to have had servants and slaves. And Onesimus is one of the slaves of Philemon. Philemon owns him. But Onesimus has fallen out with Philemon, and he has legged it, without permission, the hundred miles to Ephesus, where he's found Paul the Apostle, and he's linked up with him. Now, in the, in the culture, in the, in the Roman Empire then, if a slave escaped, as it were, well, not escaped, but if, if, he, if he ran off, the penalty could be death for that, because it was a case of ownership. Philemon owned Onesimus. But he probably would have bought him originally as a slave. Um, He certainly, at the very least, would be subject to a cruel punishment, probably, for doing that if he was caught or returned. But Paul has decided that this is the moment to mend that broken relationship. Let's see what he does. At the first thing, in verses 4 to 7, what he does is he writes to Philemon and he says... Our relationship is important to me. The first thing he does, he affirms Philemon. He says, I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers. He says in verse 7, your love has given me great joy and encouragement. He's telling Philemon how important his relationship is, Paul the Apostle's relationship is with Philemon. How much he loves him. How, how, what, a, what a great person Philemon is. He's building him up. And in any reconciliation... Because we all know of situations in our lives, our friends' lives or our workplaces or wherever, where there are broken relationships. And if any, the first step in any reconciliation is to affirm the other person, to say to them, you are okay, I love you. I want, the relationship between us is important to me. That's what he's doing first off. And then in verses 8 to 11, he then makes the purpose of his letter clear. In verse 10, Paul says to Philemon, he says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. And he's doing two things there, really. The first thing is is that he's stating the purpose of his letter. I'm appealing on behalf of Onesimus. Because Paul knows that if he sends Onesimus back to Philemon, Philemon could give him the worst punishment. Certainly a terrible one. And so Paul says, I'm appealing. He's making it clear. That's important. The second thing he's doing is that he's being incredibly vulnerable because Paul says, Onesimus, who is my... He says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Paul is saying that this runaway slave who... I mean, a slave was the lowest of the lowest of the low in society and a runaway slave was even the depths, the pits of that. And Paul is saying, he's like a son to me. Paul is being so vulnerable. He's raising the stakes because now if Philemon is going to mete out a bad punishment to Onesimus, he's realised that he's doing it to a son of Paul, someone Paul considers to be a son. He's being very vulnerable. And that's really important when we're trying to reconcile a broken relationship. To be vulnerable, to be honest about how we feel. But then there comes a point where the words have to finish or not finished, but the words only go so far, but then we have to take action in restoring a relationship. 
And Paul again shows us a sort of masterclass here in how to do that. Because Paul doesn't say to Philemon, this is what I want you to do. He begins by saying, this is the part I'm going to play in mending the relationship. Paul says, this is what I'm going to do. And what is he going to do? He says, verse 12, I'm sending him, Onesimus, who is my heart, back to you. He goes on to say, I would have liked to have kept him, but because it's the right thing to do, I'm sending Onesimus back to you. I'm restoring your, what you own, this slave, Onesimus. I'm restoring him back to you because that is the right, the, the proper thing to do. And he, by doing that, he's also restoring Philemon's honour because Philemon's honour has been dashed by his slave running away. A very dishonourable thing to do in that culture. And Paul is saying, here's what I'm going to do. But after he's done that, he then says, okay, now here's what I think you ought to do in order to complete the reconciliation of this relationship. And he doesn't, it's just mind-blowing what, what he asks Philemon to do in that culture. Because he doesn't just say, look, I want you to take him back as a slave without punishing him. That would be extraordinary enough in, in that society. But he actually says, I don't want you to just restore him into your household as he was before. I want you to welcome him as a brother. And it, it's just, it is mind-blowing. The, Paul is also a spiritual father to Philemon. Philemon, who runs the church in Colossae, had come to faith under Paul's teaching. And so Paul is laying everything on the line. The stakes could not be higher. He's saying, I want you to welcome your runaway slave, but now to set him free and to make him a brother. Bring him into your household. It's equivalent to if someone today, their child had been murdered, it would be like someone asking you not only to forgive their murderer, but when they got out of prison, to take them into your home and look after them. It would be like that. That's how staggering it is. And the big question is, why should we do it? Why should we do, why should it be so hard? Why should we lay ourselves on the line and make all that effort to restore a relationship? Philemon must have read that letter and thought, what is he on about? And the answer is, because that is exactly what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Because while we have done things that are wrong, have said things that are wrong, have messed up in life, have spoken badly about others, have have been angry towards others in our hearts, perhaps even wished somebody dead. While we deserve ourselves nothing but punishment, God in Jesus Christ has forgiven us. He sent his son to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be set free. God has done exactly what Paul was asking Philemon to do. In my lifetime, I've, there are two significant kind of relationships, I suppose, that I've tried to reconcile and, 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 and heal. And, and one of them um, was with my parents. And um, let me say straight away, my parents have never stopped loving me, never stopped supporting me, and never stopped being generous towards me all my life. But when I was a, a, an older teenager, I got into a lot of trouble and I disgraced the family um, and, 
and I caused, I caused a lot of rupture in, 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 in the family, a lot of grief. And although my parents forgave me and they never stopped loving me, I withdrew from them. And the relationship became awkward and it became difficult. Because I couldn't really believe that, that they could actually really love me anymore because of what I'd done. And so after I came to faith, and I dis- many years later, and I discovered Christian forgiveness that looks like this, I decided to try and set it right. And so I wrote them a letter saying what um, wonderful parents they'd been and telling them how sorry I was for all of the, all of the trouble I'd caused when I was younger. And they sent me a lovely letter back. And, and it healed the relationship. From my point of view, it healed the relationship. And after that, I was able to, to be vulnerable with them, to have good, deep conversations with them, to share my life with them much more. It was a wonderful thing. The other relationship that I tried to be part of reconciling didn't work out so well. Uh, two people who were great friends of mine, who came from the same family, had fallen out over an issue. One thought that the other had wronged them, and they, they cut them off, stopped talking to them, stopped meeting up with them. And because they were both friends of mine, it was really painful, because I desperately wanted them to get back together again. They were, after all, family. They were, they were from the same family. And so I tried all sorts of ruses to try and get them back together. I wish I had read Philemon at that time, but I hadn't. And so I didn't know how to do it well. And, and so I made a mess, really, of trying to engineer um, moments when they might meet by coincidence in the hope that they might shake each other's hands and make up. But I just made it worse when they realised what I was doing. Because I wasn't honest, I wasn't clear about what I was trying to do. I'm pleased to say that many years on, those relationships are now healed, but it was nothing to do with me. They didn't speak to each other for ten years, but now it's healed. So, I'd like to finish, really, by saying that, asking you to think about the relationships in your worlds, in your families, in your workplaces, um, perhaps within the church, wherever, friends, groups of friends. Because somewhere, all of us know that there are broken relationships that need healing. And God calls us to nothing less than to be reconcilers, because in Jesus, he's reconciling the world to himself. God has done for us exactly what Paul was asking Philemon to do for Onesimus, to forgive him and set him free. And I'd just like us to take two minutes of just quiet. I'm going to sit down, just two minutes of quiet to reflect on that and to think who God might be laying on our hearts in order to be a reconciler of broken relationships.